Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel O'Connor. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Thursday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel here with Joel Elkanen and Dennis Dick on today's show. We're going to recap the move that Twitter made yesterday, talk about Costco's strong June comp sales that were out yesterday after the close. Uh, Earnings from Walgreens, Boots Alliance, and Bed Bath & Beyond, both pretty disappointing. We're talking about Carnival Cruise Line, their reopening, or their German uh, their German subsidiary is reopening uh, here shortly. The reopening trade is is a thing now. Disney's reopening. Carnival is reopening. The theme parks are reopening. So we'll talk about that. We'll take questions from our chat. Two guests on the docket today. First up at 8.15, we'll be joined by Mark Shakin. And then at 9, I'll be joined by Rance Meshek. He is the president and founder of iVest Plus. He's been in the... Uh, in the brokerage game and the trading game for like 20 plus years. So he'll have some good thoughts for us there. Let's bring Joel on now. Joel, give us an update here on what's happening in the overnight session. But first, unmute that mic. Joel, you're lost. No, I just, I mean, I got so many things going on here. I see that, that mute button there. Uh, I got a little warning sign. It's like his thing. You know, it's his thing. So. I know. I've been bad. I, You've actually been doing – you were doing so well for like oh, three months. Yeah. You probably never messed up at all, and now you're doing it every day again. You, go, you go back to your old habits. But Spencer was gone. I was just so, you know, so on top of everything, and now I'm, I'm just kind of getting lazy uh, with uh, with Spencer being back. But anyways, 18-point uh, range overnight, 3170. We got, a, we got some highs up there, folks. We got three highs between 31 – in 70 to 3174 so there's your major resistance that's what need to break through to get to 3200 pre-market low 52 and a quarter they just missed my bid at 51 and a half but canceled it now with the jobless claims coming up uh crude down a nickel at 4085 gold down 520 at 1815.60 silver boy man that's on a roll up 14.4 cents at 19.305 bitcoin Right between nine and ten, down fifty dollars at nine thousand four hundred and sixty. Good morning, Triple D. How are you on this Thursday? Mm, I'm tired. Tired today. How come? One of, well, one of those days that the kids are up all night. The girl yeah. comes in about two a.m. to the bedroom, throw her in the middle. The boy comes in about five a.m. and it's a just uh sleepless night one of those so sometimes the kids sleep through most of the time they don't so anyway so i'm somewhat used to it so i'll still have energy for you don't worry but i'm kind of sleepy today and uh how was your uh, your after hour session you know what it was slow too and it's more of the same i mean this is like groundhog day around here you see this market 
and it's Fang leading the charge, Tech leading the charge, and they don't really care about anything else. And that was what happened yesterday. It's what happened the day before. It's what happens in the pre-market here this morning. I mean, it's Apple. It's Microsoft. It's Amazon. It's all the tech names leading the charge. Netflix as well, breaking over 500 for the first time a couple of days ago. We should give it some love because it's now $500 stock. Valuations matter zero to any of these companies. It's just a matter of that. They think tech, the, here's the trade right now that the market thinks. They think no matter what, if COVID, if we have to go back in and start to get shelter in place again, go back in the lockdown, they think tech works. If we go out and we start to go and do our things, they still think tech works. So this market just wants to own tech stocks no matter what. They think tech is a safe haven for COVID. It has been. Maybe it is, but if the market really, if we really start to get ugly, everything will get hit. Don't kid yourself. But I mean, the tech stock, I can't argue with you. The tech stocks have been better than anything else. And I was looking at my holdings, in my invest portfolio, and we know I've got a lot of cash in there, but of my equity holdings, I'm over 50% tech. I was always tech heavy, but I'm even more tech heavy now, probably because it's just grown so much. So yeah. those are the stocks that keep going up in the long-term portfolio. I have a lot of healthcare, a lot of pharmaceutical stocks. We know I've talked about those before too, but I'm heavy, heavy tech. Yeah, well, I mean, just the increase in price and, you know. Well, that's it. I mean, I look at some of these and all my biggest winners are all the tech stocks. And, you know, some of the smaller ones too. I mean, it's, you know, anything tech has really, you know, if you have a tech stock and it hasn't been going up, you're in the wrong tech stock. We'll say that much because... It has been uh, uh, just an unbelievable march for the NASDAQ. I mean, look from the lows. We got down to $166 on the QQQ. We're now $261. So we're 100 points off the lows from three and a half months ago on the NASDAQ. You're talking about, a, what is that, 166 That's like a 65% up move on, a, on, an in, on an index in three and a half months. It's been an absolutely incredible run for the NASDAQ. And uh, coming up in the earnings uh, earning season as well. And uh, we're actually going to have a guest on, I believe, next week, David Trainer, who does the analysis of earnings. And he doesn't think that uh, just uh, his preliminary look now, he doesn't think it's going to be as bad as everyone thinks. So, boy, you just get a, a halfway decent earnings season here. And uh, boom, 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 another another leg higher. In well, it hasn't market. started well, I'll tell you that, because every single earnings, and obviously we haven't really gotten to the meat of it yet, but we have seen disappointments pretty much in every company that's reported so far. We had Alivi report disappointing earnings. We had Bed Bath & Beyond last night, which we can talk about, disappointing earnings. And then we have Walgreens this morning, despite call buyers from Fast Money saying last night there was call buyers in there and the stock was going to go higher and eh, wrong it's not it's going down four and a half percent and the guidance is terrible you know they, they weren't short to stock and they were putting a little hedge on right there's zero no, possibility they, they look, and this is what i've talked about this uh, this options activity this is still like finding a needle in a haystack because you don't know what the hedging activity is and you don't know what, who's actually speculating you don't know if the person knows anything everybody's speculating all the time just because you see a big option buyer doesn't mean they know something sometimes they might but 90% of the time, they probably don't. So when you're just looking, oh, there's a big option buyer, the stock's bound to go up. I think, I, I, I don't think it works. I mean, I've looked at this stuff for 20 years and I know there's a lot of people who really follow this stuff 
Uh, in my opinion, I've, I've never seen a trader that, you know, and I'm pro bright trading prop traders, you know, thousands of traders come in. I ask Rob, I'll, I'll ask Rob that question, but I've never seen a trader that just, you know, made a lot of money just looking at, uh, at you know, options activity. And, and just think about if you, you really look at it as a contrarian signal, what if the person was short the calls, right? And they wanted to cover them going into the print, then they're actually wrong today. Well, this is the thing too, Joel. I mean, on every options contract, there's a buyer and a seller. So, you know, you say, oh, there's a big buyer in calls. Or, or, or somebody bought a whole pile of calls. Well, somebody Someone sold, sold the calls too. Somebody sold the calls. <laughs> so that's, that's the other thing. It's kind of, it's, I don't know if it's pet peeve or not. Like, I, I just don't use it. Um, so, but they talk about this every single night on Fast Money. They do, you know, this options activity thing. And it's hit and miss. I think 50% of the time they're right, 50% of the time it's wrong. What's that telling you? I don't think it's an edge. That's my uh, opinion. Also, just my if, opinion. I think if you follow that, um, if you're going to do that, then you just got to follow the open interest and then you get that. That's where you can make some money. And that's where I do use options. And this does work. It's the pin action. So when you've got, you know, a stock that's moving and it comes into a big strike with a hell of a lot of open interest, that's where, you know, the stock might turn. That's why, why do you think stocks turn on the $15 price, the 17 and a half, the 20? I know there's dollars for a lot of options now too, but you know, in smaller companies, they're still going increments like that. They turn on these big hole numbers because that's where the option strikes are. So once you get past the 20, then everybody who's got the 20 calls is in the money. So a lot of times you see these things turn around. Why? Because market makers will short the stock at 20, 10, 20, 25, 20, 50. If they're long the calls, lock in the profits. And, you know, and I've done it the same way too. Like I, I, I talk options. I don't trade options anymore, but I used to trade them actively a decade ago. I just find equities is better. I find I, you know, I don't need the leverage. First of all, I'm with bright trading, so I don't need the leverage. So, because I have that through bright trading. So why not, you know, people say, oh, why don't you buy some puts on Tesla? Well, if I'm bearish Tesla, I'm just going to short the stock. So I don't need the, you know, I'm, and obviously people want to protect themselves a little bit further, but that premium you pay. It eats away, you know, even when you make good calls, we've pointed that out on the show too. You buy these puts and then the stock goes in your direction, doesn't go enough and you lose money. I short the stock and it goes down at 10 cents. I make 10 cents. I don't have to worry about the about time anything, premium yeah. eroding on me or the event premium because we know be ahead of an earnings event, there's an event premium in there as well. So I, I just short the stock, but that, and that's probably why I don't trade options as much as I used to, but I get it. I mean, you have a small account, you want to try to make some money options, you know, are, are a good alternative when you don't have capital. Okay. Tell us your fast money, uh, your fast money story real quick. And then I got fast one thing story. I want to share because we got Mark Chaykin coming in at eight fifteen. but I got one thing I want to share. Tell us your, your fast money. I don't know if I have a fast money story. Oh, my tweet. Jesus. Man. My tweet. I forgot. Yeah. So anyways, Melissa Lee asked for tweets there last night. Um, for the six o'clock show, because Kramer's off this week, so they're doing special Mad Money from six to seven, and they're just taking uh, questions from uh, they're taking questions from individual traders and from retail traders and from whoever. So she was asking for Twitter questions. So I was like, I'll give her a question, and I was all witty and everything. I watch Fast Money, and they like the wit, and you know the producers put all the wit to it. I was like, I'll give them the wit. I think this was pretty good. So, anyways, they did not read my question last night. I was disappointed, but then I tweeted. I was like, that's okay. I'll read it on my own show, Benzinga's Pre Market Prep, so we can have our listeners listen to it. So, anyway, so I'm gonna feel. I'm gonna give this question to our listeners, and if and here's how it's gonna go in the chat. If you think the stock's gonna go up. 
in the next month, put a one. If you think the stock's going to go down the next month, put a two. So here's the question that I pitched to Mad Money last night. I said, I don't know the answer to this one. So that's why I was asking it. It's about Workhorse, WKHS. I said, retail traders rushed into Workhorse for the past month. But in the last few days, there's been a stampede for the exit. Is this an opportunity to get back in? Or will investors buying today be left with a long face? I was all witty. I was like, they'll read that. I gave them all the wit. The producers don't even have to do anything with it. So WKHS, ones and twos. If you think, I don't remember which, what did I say? If it's going up, put a one. If it's going down, put a two. Mixed. That's what you said. It's so much. There's what he would have three. I don't know what three means. I guess three is sideways. Yeah. Holy mackerel, there's some people responding on the ones and the twos. It is mixed. I'm mixed on this one too. I don't know because the last day, I'm like, oh, it's starting to show a little bit of life here again, but you got a lot of overhead supply, so. This is a tough chart. What's Joel Alconan thing? I, I don't know. Workforce? Just based on that response, I just I want to sell calls and puts. <laughs> you can sell, <laughs> the, sell the straddle, Joel. Sell, yeah, sell the straddle or sell the strangle, you know, that just will go absolutely. Just sell different. options. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, if you want to lean on that loan from two days ago, that's what I would do. You know, that identifiable out of 54 cents. I just think it's a different run this time. Because oh, you got some people shaking their head, man. Why did I buy this at twenty-two bucks or twenty-two ninety? So you got a different scenario. You just don't, you know. There's pain. There's people that want to get out. So I just don't think you're going to have the same kind of run. I want to share one story, and then you guys can tell me if this is a buy. Uh, it's either a sell signal or do nothing uh, signal. I need to do golf shoes yesterday, right? My other pair were just ripping apart, so I went. And I always try and just go and get the same pair I bought before I go there, and they didn't have it. They're a creature of habit. Right. So I'm going through, I'm going through, and uh, they don't have this, and they don't have that. And then so I went from Foot Joy. I started looking at Nikes. And I'm like, oh, do you have this in this side? This in this side. And the guy said, if you're looking at Nike or Adidas, we can't get anything. We are told they are shutting down the factories for the rest of the year. So I don't know if that's just related to the golf equipment. All right, oh, that's guys, what I said. We would know. We're, we're in the news here. There's no way Nike is shutting down the factory. Okay. So. That's so that it's a buy signal. It's a contrarian signal. But I no, uh, I'm sure they were short on supply. The shoe store doesn't isn't more informed than the. This is a huge place. Sometimes. I'm telling you, there's supply chain for for all the retailers and stuff. I don't know. I'm I, not. I'm I, would, keep... I I I wouldn't doubt that maybe the supply you know, is somewhat limited. You know, we've had some factories, obviously maybe they weren't producing as many as they were with when we were in the lockdown and shelter in place. So I wouldn't be shocked if the supply actually is down right now. And, you know, maybe the demand is still there, but I, I don't, I, I don't think that there's a, a, a truth that they're shutting the factories down. I, there's no way, there's no way that's happening. Yeah. I think that'd be out there. If, uh, and hey, maybe, maybe it's just, well, go- just for the golf shoes that I wanted. That's bad rumors just starting there. Anyways, but- I ended up getting a pair of foot joys that are similar to the pair I had before. But uh, are we going to bring Mark in or should we actually do a stock here? No, no, no bring him I, in. I'm bringing Mark in right now. He'll do the stock. Before I do that, I just wanted to tell Dennis maybe. So CNBC didn't choose your question. I'm sorry. Uh, maybe, I know. I was sad. I actually started to cry about it. Maybe it just wasn't as witty. Have you heard that it wasn't? It as was witty. witty. Did was, Mark hear my question? It was witty. You're you're blacklisted from CNBC anyway. I, I think that's what it is. Since you like dropped that microphone that one time on your air. Yeah. That was my first funny. my first gig on CNBC didn't go well. <laughs> 
You're only. Game. I got. It's like you get called up to the to the majors there from the minors too early, and you're not ready for it. And they never gave me a second look. <laughs> All right, March the earpiece fall out. So the first time when I was on CNBC the first time, 2010, my I, I was talking market structure, and my earpiece fell out. Like I, I'm not used to TV, so I had this little earpiece. I had to go into the Detroit office there, and my earpiece falls out. I can't hear anything. I'm like bending down, looking. I come up, and I'm just like, I sit there. I was like. I don't know anything they said for the last 30 seconds. So they asked me a question. And I like, I just started spent something out and they're like, never have this guy on again. He doesn't know what he's doing. So I think you're right. I think I'm completely blacklisted. That is on YouTube. It it's is. A, it's somewhere it, out there. I know. It's you got to go and really probably search for that one. But yeah, I was on CNBC All twice. Right. I, I got invited back and then I, I guess I wasn't good the second time. They never had me back on again. That was back in 2010. So. Well, well we, are, <laughs> we are bringing Mark Chicken back here. He's the founder of Chicken Analytics. He gets invited back on our show. Mark, welcome. Hey guys, how are you? We're we're, we're pretty loopy for a Thursday. Uh, I guess uh, summer heat's getting to us a little bit, but uh, uh, we hear that. Yeah, we are, we are too. We uh, celebrated my birthday. We actually had people in our house, and I had physical contact with someone other than my wife for the first time in four months. So. Happy birthday, Mark! Yeah, thank you. You, what day you. is that? We got to rate that it was down. Yesterday. So can... yesterday. Oh, happy birthday. Well, happy belated birthday. We got to put that put that in the calendar, Spencer. I need a pop yeah. up on that. Balloons. I will. So Balloons, I can text guys. Mark Chaykin next year on his birthday on the day. Balloons. So so you're finally 60, huh, Mark? 62. Okay. All right. There you go. Um, you know, you were talking about um, <laughs> that crazy stock workhorse. What are people thinking? What do you think about Workhorse? I'm really torn on this one. I think it's a story. I think it's a bubble burst, and I think it's kind of over now, but who knows? Sometimes these things get life again. What are your thoughts on WKHS? Well, I, when you were talking about that, I was trying to figure out a theme for this segment, and I think you got to look at three things in this market. you got to look at what we know, what we see, and what we think. And what we know is that the Fed is just pumping so much money into the system. Um, you can call it funny money or an oxygen high, that there's liquidity to the max. And what we see is momentum. And we see things similar to 1999. But what we think is, gee, the market's pretty stretched. It's crazy. Nicola goes up 40%, you know, based on an analyst recommendation. And I think you got to separate all those things out. So I didn't know what Workhorse was. I clicked on it. It looks like it's battery-powered cars and electric trucks. planes and, and planes. I, this is really, um, you look at John Templeton, we're getting into that euphoria stage where, where markets die. But based on what we know, which is that the Fed is going to keep pumping liquidity forever, QE, you know, QE infinity, you just can't get bearish. It, you can, but uh, you got to be nimble like you were with Tesla the other night. But, you know, this is a strange market, and we're going to look back and say, oh, my God, it looks so much like 1999. But in 99, you didn't know when to get off the train. And if you got off too early, there were some money managers like Marty Zweig who started shorting these things uh, or were out of tech, and they underperformed so badly that assets fled, fled through the door. And that's the risk for money managers in underweighting tech or in case of hedge funds going short. So it's an interesting dynamic here, but I just don't think you can um, get off the train yet. 
It, it, it is tough. I mean, this is a little bit of a hot potato game in some of these tech stocks, like valuations, you know, in a Zoom. Don't make any sense at all, but the party still just continues. So you try to short these things and you get murdered. You, you don't stay long. I mean, you underperform, like you were saying as well. So you have investment managers that are definitely chasing the movers. I mean, Apple goes up another 10 bucks yesterday. It's just in full monster mode here now. I own Apple in my long-term portfolio. At one point in time, I thought it was a value tech stock. But at this point, now you start thinking it starts getting up 26, 27 times earnings. And you start thinking, wow, you know, it doesn't have the growth it used to. This is starting to get a little bit stretched. It's getting very stretched, but and I'm, I'm hearing people who've owned Tesla for two, three, four years who are now saying, and smart money managers, big names, uh, this is going to be a trillion dollar company someday. It's going to be the largest company in America. So you're, the seeds of euphoria are being sown here, but uh, we don't know when the harvest is, is going to be reaped. And um, it's really tough. I zeroed in on Zoom uh, to punt it out. And you know you're trading at multiples of revenue that are insane for a company that really isn't making an awful lot of money. You know what's the what's the price to sales ratio, and where you know what's the discounted cash flow three oh, five it's years? Crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, it's there's interesting though. One of the big firms, I think it might have been Sogen, did a piece distinguishing between new tech and old tech. So there are a lot of people making money here in both those places. So old tech is Microsoft, Adobe, Apple. Uh, new tech is Zoom, Peloton, uh, even Facebook and Twitter. And they really are different because old tech are cash machines, plain and simple. Not affected by COVID, not a trendy play on the stay-at-home economy. And to the extent that you have so many of these funds that are programmed to go, you know, long 60, 40 bonds or volatility-based strategies, Dennis, you know better than anybody, um, CTA, uh, equity, longs, and so forth, where does the money go? It goes into the SPY, into the S&P 500 futures, and eventually it flows into the stocks yeah. that we're talking about. There's an interesting dynamic, by the way, I'm sure you've spotted it, but if you haven't talked about it, it might be interesting. On days when old tech goes up, biotech goes down. On days when old tech goes down, Regeneron, Vertex, Alexion, uh, United Therapeutics go up. So they're clearly, uh, it's not risk on, risk off, it's okay. If we're not gonna play old tech today or even new tech, well, let's go to biotech. So there's interesting internal dynamics. Um, I watch this because uh, my wife, Sandy, has a portfolio to die for in basically old tech and biotech. But uh, there is this sort of subtle uh, rotation day to day, depending on what the mood of the market is. I mean, this is the market. It's all about the rotation. It's been going on that for a long, since March, that this market doesn't rotate out of stocks. It just rotates into different stocks. And we've seen the dynamic even from the reopening trade. This is the day the reopening stocks start going up is the day tech stocks start going down too. So it's not even, you know, the biotech and the tech. You start seeing now, it just seems like tech and biotech and they just don't care about the reopening stocks. But for a long time there, it was like, okay, when Boeing, American Airlines and Carnival Cruise Lines and Disney is all getting a, a bid, you start to see the, the, the stay-at-homes like Amazon and Peloton and Shopify get hit. But you know now, like you're saying, they've been just completely almost ignoring some of the reopening stocks here for the last three weeks. They've been just money just sitting there doing nothing or, or leaking. 
And now they're just maybe what you're saying is rotating within, within tech itself and just completely ignoring the reopening stocks. What's it going to take? My question, what's it going to take to start getting interest in the Boeings again and start getting interest oh. in the American Airlines again? Are these just stock companies that are in so much you know, pain right now that investors have finally figured it out and they're just leaving them for dead? Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> plain and simple. The answer is yes. Uh, you know, and there are a lot of tells out here in terms of the industrial economy, but yes, I mean, until uh, we have a definitive answer, I don't think you're going to see it till after the election, till December. You know, we're still in the first wave. Uh, we haven't tamed the wave yet uh, nationwide. And go back to April, nobody's talking about this, but after the summer when conventional flu season comes around, we're going to get the second wave. Uh, if anybody tells you no, hasn't looked at previous pandemics going back to the Spanish flu. So I think you've got to get through that phase, which is September, October, November, before you get a clearer picture about whether people are going to travel, whether they're going to take cruises. I can tell you that um, Viking cruises, because my uh, Sandy went on one in October uh, on the Rhine, they're offering like 50% discounts with no prepayment penalties up to a day before if you book a tour for November now, a cruise in Europe. And so these, they're desperate, absolutely desperate. Uh, there is a chart I want to look at, though. Yeah, yeah, I think there's good. a big tell here. JP Morgan, tell me what you think. They're not bouncing. It's just oh, hanging out well, here. They look like they want to break. JP Morgan looks oh, like it want to breaks into the low 80s. I mean, this, yeah, yeah, it's sitting here hanging a on a cliff. Stock. And so what does that tell you? The, the best bank in America, arguably the best bank in the world, and it can't get out of its own way. Yeah, like the market, you think about what the market's done in the last two weeks, like the S&Ps, and we went straight up really for a week and a half here, you know, to the tune of up 5%, and there's JP Morgan in that same time period, completely flat. Yeah, so let me uh, is, let me yeah. throw the flip side here on you, Mark. Um, here on this J.P. Morgan because you you see this a lot in stocks, and a lot of times it's the sign of an institutional accumulation. Here, you go back to June twenty sixth, and they're not all consecutive, but like ninety two even, ninety two eighteen, ninety one ninety three, ninety two even. Yesterday's low ninety one eighty. It just seems like someone is really thirsty. For this stock here, uh, $92 area, and a lot of times when you see that, the big boy, and to me, I, I look at it as the big boys loading up here. I kind of am looking at this as like maybe a lower risk, you know, long uh, down to that level. I'm just, with, you know, with no, the- with no upside potential in my view. <laughs> uh, Look at shaking money. I always take the bear side, and now I'm trying to take the bullish side. I know, and I'm not no, but I, when when I'm confronted with price action like you're referring to, I look at shaken money flow. And shaken money flow has had three green days, meaning above zero, and it's an oscillator since February. And Yikes. and negative shaken money flow right now is telling you that there are no dip there there aren't dip buyers out there because if there were dip buyers, the stock would, you know, not just find support but bounce in its range. And if it closes high in the range, then shaken money flow. Tends to be green. How about, could you give me the shaking money flow on uh, work uh, last couple of days? You know, just, yeah. Showing life. I, work, I'm long. No, no, before course. yesterday. No, slack, I don't slack. want to see it. Slack, yeah. W R K, slack. 
Hey, don't tell me it went positive yesterday because that doesn't do you know, well, today because that doesn't. I'll do tell you, you something better than that. It's been positive every day for nine for ten months except for two days uh, a week in April. It's so strong. So in stocks like this, you want to look for an oversold buy short term. So you want to look for that buy in June. Uh, so you got clipped when you owned it after earnings then based on that because that it had that. But it had a ridiculous yeah, run but, up but, too, Joel. Yeah, true. Earnings. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I did. mean, and, uh, if you take a look at the last four earnings reports, uh, Slack sold off after every one of those earnings reports. Good, too, bad, too, or too high all, expectations. They, they all beat expectations. But um, when, it, when I see a stock like that, the after earnings trade is when it gets oversold on a short-term basis, whatever you're using, uh, RSI, MACD, but, uh, and shaken money flow stays positive. This is the strongest pattern. We call that, um, you know, stealth accumulation, because if there were true sellers in the stock, they'd be selling. You'd have a residual of sellers at the close. When you see shaken money flow stay at, at these elevated levels, and it's really high right now and has been since mid-May, you just want to buy those oversolds. That's when you want to buy the dips. I'll tell you when I uh, bought it was uh, just three days ago and I just had myself a defined out and I was looking this 30 wants to hold and this is a stock that the story is still potentially still there. Alive, yep. So oh, yeah. I thought if it broke down through the low of the mood, 29.54, I'd get out of it. But I was like, I'll take a shot here. So I bought it in the low and, and, and the, right around 31 30, between 30 31 i can't remember what exactly what i paid but in the last three days and then obviously had a really good day yesterday so i'm holding on to it i think eventually could even you know try that 40 again so this is a trade slash you know but i've sometimes turned trades into investments on the good way spinners talked about that too where i've got something on for a trade and i was like oh it's really working it's working and working and i was like well if it keeps working i keep bringing up the stop and all of a sudden you're in a, a stock that's really working well we got a number coming out here, folks. Yeah, you should fill the gap, by the way. Uh, Slack's biggest problem is Microsoft because micro, Microsoft Teams right. has 30 or 40 million users. It's part of the package, the Office package, and more and more people are using it. So Slack's got some great accumulation and, you know, it's a great product. We've used it internally, but uh, tough to compete with Microsoft in a cost-conscious world. For sure. And that's why have yourself a defined out when you're getting into these trades, especially the ones that are trading with these crazy valuations. So when you enter the trade, kind of know where you're going to get out if it doesn't go well. I was saying I'll get out if it breaches the 29.50. Now with the candle yesterday, I'll probably bring up the stop. But um, as long as you, know, you put any trade on, as long as you know where you're getting out of it. Just like I was saying with Tesla there, Mark, I tried the short side and I got lucky on it, obviously. But I was kind of reading the tea leaves too because we had that one. And these are day trades. I mean, you started seeing Aunt Shopify roll over the day before. Amazon started rolling over. I was like, ah, the Tesla could be next. And it's funny how all these stocks, even though they're nothing to do with each other, these Momo trades and the momentum starts to stall on one of them, a big one like Shopify. And all of a sudden you can see, you know, that follow through. Now, again, that only lasted a day. Or, and obviously we have seen Shopify start to catch a bid and Amazon catch a bid as well. And Amazon obviously was sold out because of the Walmart news. But I mean, just watching, you know, there's a lot of relationships here, intricate relationships here that, you know, can be, uh, there's edges extracted from these relationships. We just got that number, Dennis, the new short job is claims for last week, 1.314 million uh, jobless claims filed, which is actually lower than what they thought it would be. The estimate was at 1.375. So, 
We're still over a million. Still persistent, yeah. Almost no reaction in the futures market. No, not unless at all. Unless my ma- machine is frozen. It looks like no, it, yeah, no, uh pre-market high 3170. We have we have some numbers above. We have uh your interday high from Tuesday was 74 74 and a quarter. Your true high on Monday was 74 and a half. Now on the Globex session they snuck it up to 3184 on Tuesday overnight, but I I still use that I'll, I'll make that 3174. I'll make that my line in the sand here and not worry about that 84. If they can get to 3174 today, I think you got a good look at uh, perhaps 3200. I agree. Uh, 3180 to 3200 was my resistance zone in my market letter for the What time period. frame do you look at the money flow on? It's it's like a it, daily, right? There's no Well, it's here. 21 day it's a 21 day average of the daily numbers. So it's pretty um it's an intermediate measure of accumulation distribution. When I built it in 1982, it was meant to fluctuate around zero. And then we saw these patterns of persistent accumulation and distribution, which is what you're seeing in in Slack right now, uh, where on the down days, there are bids under the market that sop up all the selling and the stock can close lower, but close higher in its range. And that tends to, uh, that, that creates positive take in money flow that day. What about uh, the uh, IWM? Uh, we're getting a question here from Bull from Trading. Uh, Dennis, Mark, and Joel, thoughts on IWM? Uh, small caps and value stocks are just yep. out to lunch. You know, <laughs> if you're a bottom fisher, it, it's a pretty ugly pattern there. Uh, you know, it's a classic flag pattern and, Taking money flow is now negative as it's coming, as it made an, a slight overbought. It's it's not a pretty pattern. I mean, we, we talked about this in the show, I'd say at least two months ago. And what I said was, I, I think the, the QQQ long versus the IWM short continues to work. And that has absolutely been the case. Yeah. I, I looked pretty bad on that call. I can remember because I made the call before June and then all those reopening stocks started blasting off. And I was like, Oh, maybe I'm wrong here. I saw Boeing going up and, you know, Amazon going down. I was like, hmm, I don't know. Maybe I made a bad call. But uh, after a month and a half, it looks like that I was right with that call if you had a long enough time horizon there because obviously value and uh, has very much underperformed tech. Yeah, the problem with the IWM, and it always has been, is 30% of the stocks in the Russell don't earn any money. You know, some of these are small biotech companies, uh, you know, where they've got a stage two drug somewhere. But uh, a, it's hard to value uh, in normal times, and B, you know these companies are not thriving in the uh, in the current economic and health environment. All right, so Mark, Mark give, give us some closing thoughts here, just overall market thoughts, because the S and P's. Let's just go to the SPY, and it's been absolutely resilient here in the face of increasing cases. Obviously, tech is the big reason. Probably, there's you know a lot of tech in the spy, and it keeps getting bigger in the spy as those stocks continue to go up. But what are your thoughts here? Let's just look at the S and P's. We haven't made a new high since the beginning of June. Is that a concern to you, or what are your thoughts on this S and P? I'd say sell them above thirty-two fifty if you are an intermediate investor. That you know, we'll get up to that 3250, 3300 level. It's going to take a lot to get it up to 3400. It, it's going to happen. It's going to happen probably before um, October earnings season. But uh, I think the market is the QQQs right now. We've, for the last 
20 years, we've talked about the SPY being the market. It's no longer the market. It's a market of stocks, but the market is the QQQ if you're a trader or a swing trader or even an intermediate term investor. All right, Mark Chaikin has been out with us. He is the founder of Chaikin Analytics. Highly recommend checking out that platform, uh, if not just for the Chaikin indicators that he has uh, invented, but for everything else, the, uh, the, the the displays. It's a great research tool. Highly recommend it. Mark, thank you so much for the time as always, and keep on staying safe. Pleasure, and to you all. I'm looking for your tweets, Dennis. They make my evening. <laughs> not not fast money's show apparently though so. oh, well, thanks don't, mark don't take that personally I, I, <laughs> I i've i've had my romance and my falling out with them over the years it, uh, it means thanks mark means you're a good guy be, be right. well. thanks mark right. <laughs> uh, not much of a reaction off those jobless claims oh, just hanging out here I didn't even have to tell you to cancel orders, Dennis. Uh, Somebody in the I, chat told me, though, so I did cancel them. So. <laughs> <laughs> in the YouTube chat, they're like, Dennis, go wide. I was like, okay, I'll go wide. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back out there again. <laughs> yeah. Let's cover some stocks here. Let's... HFT stop, HFT on. Let's <laughs> stocks. Let's start with Bed Bath Beyond. Uh, earnings out yesterday after the close. They weren't good. They lost $1.96 cents. Per share, that's impressive. That last quarter, the <laughs> to be estimate, able to lose that much money. The estimate is what was that they would only lose a buck twenty-two. Sales one point three one versus one point three nine billion dollars. So they missed both of the um, both the earnings and the revenue numbers for the quarter. They're closing uh, about twenty percent of their stores, and even though their e-commerce sales grew eighty-two uh, percent, their overall sales fell about forty percent. Hated the stock for about a decade. Um, I never got it when it went to 2014, 15. Obviously, big towel store is what I always thought. I know they sell a lot of house goods, and I know the stuff is fairly cheap in there, but they're mall-based. Um, I'm just not a fan at all. Not like, really mall. They're kind of they're kind of outlet mall-based. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Uh, I mean, there's so many better places for your money. Why invest in a company that's losing that much money? They were struggling before COVID. True. And again, we keep saying that. I don't want to buy companies that were struggling before the virus hit, especially retailers. I mean, it's bounced back a long ways from the April low. So it's been a good trade. It got down to three bucks when they thought everything was going out of business and wow. they thought this one too. I, I think Bed Bath & Beyond could still go the way of a JCPenney. So I'm not a fan at all. I know there's activist action in there. And I know that drove it up, you know, a year and a half ago. But Where are I, they now? I've been fading. You know, I've been saying to fade that every up move in Bed Bath & Beyond for a long time. I would do no different here. I mean, you're down 8% of your sell in the hole now. The price of the sell was ahead of the earnings yesterday because it was probably predictable they were going to disappoint. So... Bed, bath, and give Fast Money some props because they said they were going to disappoint. So there you go. The, the options activity was right on this one. It was wrong on the other one. But BBBY, I just think better places for your money. Sorry. Uh, I will buy this stock when they get rid of the 20% coupons. They can't, they rid- you can't sell anything without the coupons. <laughs> Any company that needs to discount that. Hey, okay. Sides. So. And, and I, I had this Quiznos franchise that oh, I got to tell the Quiznos story. So my, I had a friend, I was already while. trading. I was trading full time, but I had a friend who was subway manager. He's like, you got to try these subs, these Quiznos subs. This is back in like 2002. So I was like, I go and try. Sub was awesome. He's like, I'll run this store for you, Dennis. Um, but I don't have the money to do it myself. So I went 50, 50 on him. I'm like, okay, 
run the store, you know, and it's all good. Anyways, he gets a, so we, we buy the franchise in 2002. We take like a year to find like our location stuff. It takes time. Meanwhile, he gets a better job at the bank and says, I don't want to manage it now. So now we've got a, a Quiznos franchise with no manager. And so we have to find a manager and we do. And actually I went in there and started, you know, making subs too for a couple of weeks. And I was sitting on the line thinking, where, you know, I used to have a nice cushy desk job. How was making sandwiches? So I kind of went backwards here. But anyways, because I'm working with a bunch of 16-year-old kids, because that's for the most part what you hire 16, 17-year-old kids to run your sub shop. But that's side note. But anyways, when we bought the franchise, I was still going through the training and there was like all these coupons. There were couponing and couponing. And I was like, spiny senses were saying, that's not good that we have to discount to get people to come in. The subs were too expensive. So they're awesome. They're good sandwiches, but they're way too expensive. So anyways, I can remember we had lineups outside the door on day one. And I said, you know, to my partner, Tom, I said, man, you know, we need to sell this thing because this discounting, we're getting a lot of customers and we're doing okay, but we need to get out of this. And we, we eventually did get out of it, but it took a long time to get out of it. So we ended up taking a haircut on it. But moral of the story is when you got a coupon to bring in your customers, you don't have a very good business. So you think about, you know, how, how many sales do you get on Apple phones, iPhones? How many sales? Not a lot. Because you know what? People are buying those things anyways. Yes, they do deals through your, through your mobile data provider, but they're still getting paid. So when you're buying companies that rely on couponing to get customers in the door, it's a recipe for a poor stock and a poor company. Bed Bath & Beyond, I want no interest in it. As long I as box. Support at nine. That's all I'll say in that one. I'm not buying a nine. No, I'm just telling you. I'm not buying a 9.50. I'm not buying a 10. Would you, could you? What's that kid's buck? Would you, could you? Remember green eggs and ham? No, I I wouldn't. I wouldn't buy Bed Bath & Beyond with ham in a car, in a boat, (laughs) in in a plane. I wouldn't buy Bed Bath & Beyond. I don't like Bed Bath & Beyond. Sorry. And it's not going to be like I try it and then all of a sudden at the end of the story. No, I do like Bed Bath & Beyond. No, I don't like Bed Bath & Beyond. Sorry, next. I will defend some of their products, but I'm with you on the overall business. Uh, let's do Walgreens here. They are I am not opposed to shopping. Like if it's giving me a nice coupon, I'm going to get a deal or something, yeah. but I don't want to invest in that business. All right, Walgreens Boots Alliance here. Earnings out this morning, Q3 adjusted EPS, 83 cents versus a $1.18 estimate. That does not sound good. Sales, uh, they actually beat by a hair, $34.6 billion versus a 34 point three two billion dollar estimate they did however give some weak guidance they gave the eps guidance Boy. for the year guided in the uh mid to high four dollar range versus a five dollar 42 cent estimate while they were at it they this is i don't know if i've seen this before they announced that they were laying off uh, about four thousand workers and also raising their dividend uh by a cent 45 cents to 46 cents uh, All right. I got a thought here. I don't know if I've ever seen that one before. Yeah. They raised the dividends. So they report disastrous earnings, 83 cents for a dollar 18. I mean, think about it. People still got to get, you know, I guess they sell all their stuff there, but a lot of stuff that's being sold at Walgreens is sticky stuff. Like people buy that stuff no matter what, you know, consumer products, your, obviously your prescriptions. You know, some of these, you know, I think about the grocery stores that did well, I guess they didn't use Walgreens to stock up. Um, the earnings, the EPS guidance, 465 versus analysts was a 542. Oof. So that's very light, cutting the workforce They're doing everything wrong. I honestly think management sat there and said, man, our stock's really, really going to get hit here. What can we do? 
let's raise the dividend. That'll help. And they raise the dividend a penny. It's not helping. So I don't want to own this stock either. I don't hate it as much as Bed Bath & Beyond, but I don't like this one either. The stock's been in a downtrend for years. They're not performing. I mean, this was an environment that maybe they, they could have held their own in. Like I said, a lot of the stuff that they sell was stuff that maybe people were stocking up on, and that didn't happen either. People were not going to Walgreens to obviously stock up. They were going into, we know Kroger did well. We know Walmart kicked some butt. We know Costco kicked some butt. Walgreens did not get any of that. So I think, you know, the stock, it's not that far from a seven-year low here. Obviously, 36.65 being the seven-year low, I think eventually it sees it. Yeah, you got a you got a step down seller here. Uh, just a foot on the the pedal here on the downside on the sessions of the uh, on the lows of the pre market session. Uh, I do see some. It's kind of interesting here because you had that panic low at thirty six sixty five. Then buyers stepped up the next day to thirty seven fifty. But then to really get the stock in any kind of size, it took one, two, three, four, five days. And those five days were, let's just call it 39.60. So if I was looking for a pop, you know, it's been there five times back in uh, late May. First time, maybe get a bounce off that level. But I'd be keeping, you know, I'm going to be whacking this thing at 39.60, looking for 37.50. Let's see what happens at that level. Uh, question coming. We got lots of questions. Let's do some tickers here for 10 minutes here because we got a pile of tickers coming out. Somebody uh, wants to know, go for the W, wants to know about Virtue Financial. My thoughts on it. My thoughts on it, I own it. So I rebought VIRT about two weeks ago when it had all this consolidation in the 22-23 area. And I was like, I know this. I, I don't know the, their specific algorithms, but I know the overall type of business because I'm running similar stuff. I'm obviously very small scale compared to Virtue, which is trading everything, but I run algorithmic trading. I run, you know, do different types of various market, making different types of statistical arbitrage. And I've had my best four months in 10 years. So I think Virtue Financial is probably kicking butt and taking names. So I was like, I want to own the stock again. I bought it back, you know, I've had it. And then I had the huge run back in March when it got 24, 25, 26. And, and then it did the same thing in May. And I sold it. I rebought it. I think eventually it's going to take out those 26 highs. I think eventually it's going to 30. The dividend 3.76%, but they got to be just killing it on the trading right now because it's just been such a nice choppy volatile environment. They're inefficiency-based trading, just like I am. They're going to be doing really well right now. So VIRT, I love. Yeah, there's a couple highs here. I see at just over 26, nothing major. Uh, what was this? Why did it fall off a cliff like that? Was that earnings there? 26? When? Uh, in um, March? It, was it March? Yeah, yeah. Fell okay. Off it, it was the that's market. COVID. That's when everything was going out of business. Yeah, but you, okay. They didn't was, care. Back in March. So, okay. You can look at every chart on every stock, Amazon, sure. everything. In the first three weeks of March, they were raising cash. People were in trouble. You had margin calls coming. They were selling stocks indiscriminately across the board. There was no separation on COVID stock versus not COVID stock. It was we need out of stocks. So that's why, you know, the March, okay. if you look at every single chart on, you know, bring up like Coca-Cola, you bring up anything, Procter Gamble, Procter Gamble got down to $95. You bring up anything in those first three weeks of March, they were throwing everything away because they needed to raise cash. You probably had margin calls coming in. People, the market fell 35% in three weeks, four weeks. It crashed. 
you had margin calls. You had people just ha- selling because they absolutely had to. And there was some diamonds in the rough. And Virtue Financial was one of those companies that they were probably just kicking butt. And that was the buying opportunity. But then it was difficult. I mean, I didn't pull the trigger on buying anything on the third week of March either because it looked like we were in serious trouble. Obviously, government came, you know, and obviously we flattened the curve. I, I still say flattening the curve helped us out of this more than anything to stay at home because, you know, that's when the market really started to rally. But, you know, government was backing up to obviously Fed firing whatever bullets they could. And it worked. And, you know, we're back up and now we've got separation. We have some companies doing well, some companies not doing so well. But overall, it worked. But back, and if you look at any chart back in March, they were selling everything because that's merging call. Uh, S&P is making new highs on the pre-market session as we talk, 31.70.50, inching up towards uh, those pair of highs at 74 and change. So could even get there by the end of the show. All right, I'm checking some tickers in the chat. So let's yeah. do a few more of those. Uh, we're being asked about Momo, M-O-M-O. This is one of those Chinese internet names that's kind of caught up with, I mean, it's it's caught with this trend here of uh, – the pop in 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 china chinese internet stock so it it's been a very much underperformer though social media stock um and you think about social media it's actually done pretty well and momo has not i don't know and follow the company individually i have owned the stock before just from technical basis but it's been you know china's chinese a lot of chinese stocks have done very well and momo is is it's got some life in the last three days but it's been a very very much underperformer so I, I don't know. I don't follow the story enough to say, you know, whether I'd be a buyer here or not. Maybe on pullbacks they do, but the trend is still ugly. I mean, when you look at the overall trend here, it's definitely from the upper left to the lower right for the last year and a half. So I'm not sure why all the issues, but, you know, maybe the social platform. Um, I don't know if they operate some other stuff e- either, but I'm pretty sure it's social platform over in, in, in China. It obviously isn't doing as well as Facebook. Uh, it's up 90 cents today, 22.28. Look at this 2450 area. I see a couple highs there. So has some room to go. Identifiable, unidentify, identifiable out. Ugh. Maybe under the low from yesterday. I don't think I'd want to risk down to 1661 in this one. But uh, clear 24, you got some, some room to the upside. Currently trading up 90 cents. Is, do we have, uh, is it just the China play today or is there a uh, specific news oh, there on this one? No news on this you play. see Alibaba again, Joel? Oh, I know, I know. Just what? blast off monster mode. It's like gone. This is a huge company and just getting bigger. I mean, since they yesterday rise nineteen goes up another ten points here this morning. I own it, long term portfolio, so I'm happy about it. But holy mackerel, it's a big move for Alibaba. Yeah, and fifty just, points in four days. Yeah, just uh, just hanging out here. Someone. 269 just looks like maybe a little bit of seller. Really tight range here uh, in the pre-market, pre-market high, which is his all-time high, 268.97. But uh, with this kind of chart, when you take, you know, running like this, use your half and whole numbers, maybe see if there's anything uh, in the New York book to hold it down, but certainly nothing over the last three, four sessions. Big move. What big about for a big stock? What about Costco here? Speaking of uh, companies that that are doing well, we mentioned Costco briefly in the in the Walgreens discussion. But Costco came finally, out. Costco. Look at that. June sales yesterday, uh, year over year, uh, June sales were up eleven and a half percent. I like buying Costco on pullbacks, not yeah, on not rallies. Good. So that's one thing. 
company is fantastic. We, it's the exact opposite of a Bed Bath & Beyond. It's a company that fires on all cylinders all the time. They don't have to do massive. They have a couple of little sales, but they don't have to do mass discounting, get people in the door, how they're lined up outside the doors. They're there to get in your Costco's. So this is a company that's always firing all cylinders. Love the company. Love the stock. It's a little bit pricey here. I'd like it on a pullback, but you get back down to the lower 300s, I'd be a buyer. But Let's... I don't know if you get that chance or not. Eventually, it's going to probably start breaking out again. I mean, this yeah, is just the kind of stock uh, that eventually is going to go. You're going to see Costco make new all-time highs eventually. This is usually a, a fader a big uh, off these numbers. You know, if it's way down, it usually comes back. If it's way up, uh, I keep a real close eye, though, on what happens if we get to uh, 522.33. The reason I'm giving you that number, it's called 33.40. It splits a pair of highs from April 16th and April 17th. So there are two highs. Took a while to do it. Once again, you had nice base there, just under 300. You had accumulation. Now you have the pop. Uh, let's see. Actually, you had a matching double top at 318.05. So perhaps if you do get a uh, a little bit, if you're shorting this thing early, get a downdraft to 318.05. Uh, might find uh, some support there. Sellers uh, for the last two days trying to get their stock back. All right, Dennis, did you play Twitter at all yesterday? Because we talked yes. about this on the, the afternoon show, but uh, we talked about the news yep. that an eagle-eyed uh, uh, Twitter user spotted their job listings and noted that they are potentially are going to, according to this job listing, uh, have some sort of subscription service. That it was later edited, and but then that fact you know, was reported by other outlets. So it looks like they are developing some kind of subscription service here. We, I think it was Sean Udall that, um, you know, said this years ago that, you know, maybe yeah. they should, you know, charge users, certain users a little bit of money and they could oh, yeah. really, you know, bring it in. I think it was Sean. Um, I know we've talked about that on the show. Like, would, would I pay a dollar or would I pay a couple of dollars to follow certain? I don't know. Um, you, you'd lose a lot. So I'm not sure it's the way to go or not. But I'm not surprised that they would explore something like this. Uh, full disclosure, I'm long Twitter in my long-term account. I bought it back when it went under 30 because I wanted the stock back. Obviously, it's been a, a pretty good one because it's back up here at 35.85 now. I traded it yesterday on this news, uh, just playing it uh, like an actual in my trading account while buying it and, and, and selling it. So I, I, I don't know if it continues to go up from here, but you get this follow through. It's a big move. I, I, I think, you know, I think I'd wait for a pullback now to get in, but I still like the story. Yeah, I have it. I have it long, long term. And uh Thought of that selling. for a long time. Too. Yeah, yeah. Just thought about selling. I actually was really just getting tired of it. That last sell-off from uh, thirty-eight down to under thirty, and I'm like, man, it's just like the same old story. Gets up in the upper thirties, near forties, comes back down. Overall, just hasn't since its IPO. Just you know, hasn't been the performer that it was. It opened at forty forty-five area got over 70 i mean it's just it never has they got to do something if you know the you know the monetization i mean they got the traffic they got the eyes you know i mean everyone's on it uh to, you know the problem is is that you know a lot of people are turned off because there's so many so much you know fake news and trolls on there and everything so cleaning up the platform maybe making people pay for it maybe that's the thing, but it's just, it's just been a long time. I mean, Jack hasn't been able to do anything with, uh, with Twitter as opposed to what he's been able to do with Square. So, uh, Spencer, I know you got a theory on this one about Twitter. 
Oh, about them being taken private? Yeah, I believe they're going to be taken private eventually. I, I believe... I think it's always going to buy them out? Yes. Well, remember they had the fight with Elliott Management, Elliott and, and Silver Lake, and they came to that deal and they gave it's away... It's just valuation, um, which has always been some of an issue. It's not crazy, crazy expensive, but you know, on an earnings basis, it's not that bad. But you know, you got $27 billion company. It's, it's not like it's a $7 billion company. Somebody just go gulp. It's a big chunk to gulp. So, because it's $27 billion, you figure they got to pay a premium. So, you're going to probably be looking $35 billion if you wanted to try to take them out. Um, I, like, I, like I thought, you know, we thought years ago, maybe Disney, you know, when the stock really started getting weak, you know, would, you know or some, one, one of the older media companies there, because obviously the social media, you know, want to get into something like this. It's never materialized. So, I, I don't know. I, I think it's a big chunk to gulp. I'm not saying it couldn't happen. Uh, but it's not as easy as if it was trading like at seven billion dollars, where somebody just got us dropping the bucket. They, they've never, they've never made over a billion. Uh, one quarter, they were at a billion seven, and that was uh, Q1 of 2020. Or excuse me, no, it was the last quarter of uh, 2000. Revenue. Yeah, revenue. I mean, and you just look at the, these numbers. Yeah, they they beat estimates almost every time, but this is like. 548, 573, 589, 731, 664, 700. I mean, come on, you know, you got to, it really, you know, they got to have like a quarter, you know, they make 1.5 and then they make two and then they make 2.5. If not, this thing is just going to persist to be in a trading range here. And uh, I don't know, maybe the subscription uh, is the key to it. But I mean, you look at, you know, the, the revenues from some of these other big techs that IPO'd at the same time. I mean, you know, uh, Facebook, 17 billion, 20 billion. And then Spencer also mentioned uh, Snapchat. I mean, it doesn't quite, you know, its uh, revenues are still lower, but man, oh man. It, mean, it never caught on with the masses like a no. Facebook. I mean, if you like sports, it's a great, I mean, a lot of people who are on Twitter like sports because you get people, you know, ranting and talking this, and it's kind of fun. You know, in the stock market, it's definitely related. Every trader should be on Twitter and following tweets because you get information from it. But it's really like information too. It's an information source as well. Like similar to like, you know, a Bloomberg to a certain extent. I mean, there's people who are, you know, breaking, trying to break information, break stories on that as well. And, you know, and people are using it as an alternative in some cases. I don't think it works as an alternative to the headlines. Why, you know, still subscribe to the Benzinga Pro um, because, it, it doesn't work as well because they don't get the headlines. Like some people say, Oh, I have a Twitter account. I don't need a newsfeed. You right. need the headlines though, because they're not like coming in. It's, it, 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 it's a couple minutes before often a personal tweet. Now rumors and stuff will break on Twitter because obviously you've know, got companies that have to, you know, make sure they don't, they don't just want to publish every rumor. But when you get actual breaking news, um, it, Twitter's still behind on that. And you also, you have people with, you know, alternative motives on it. You know, and that I, I think that's the best thing. But uh, it's trading up here. I believe it's trading up uh, 59 cents here. It, it hit that that high from yesterday is really going to be critical moving forward. I hit 36.98 in yesterday's session. You ended up backing off that quite a bit. And uh, returning to the scene of the crime on June 8th, it hit 36.94. So, major resistance at 37 until it can take that out uh buck away for now all right uh let's do one more in the chat before i bring on our guests quickly uh let's just look at uh wayfair here this is from bull, bull for trading 
Just just unbelievable moves here. It's consolidating. It looks like to want to go higher again. I mean, every time you think it, – it's been just – you think about where we were in March. It was $21. It's up Jeez. 1,000% in three and a half months. So if you're in this, it's chasing. It's chasing, chasing, chasing. I would not want to own it under 200 bucks. But if you're in it and you've been riding it up, keep bringing up those stops. I'd have my stops sitting – if I was in this from like you know 50 bucks say. or $80, you know, say it. Well, I mean, you're not going to go too tight. You're not going to go 218, are you? No, no, you can't go tight on these. And that's a, a, a 200, point too. 200. Yeah, 193, that low from June 29th. Below that, I wouldn't want to own it. Um, but I'd say you just keep bringing up your stops. I mean, you're going to have to give it. You're not going to get on the top with that type of trading strategy. You're never going to get out the right. high. Could, could it stall? I could stall out any time. It's impossible to predict when this party ends. It is a party. Wayfair isn't taking over the world here. I mean, it's up a thousand percent in three months. Eventually, it's going to have a serious correction to the tune of like losing like 40 bucks in a day. And everybody's going to be like, what the hell happened? I mean, or 50 bucks in a day. But it's been on such a terror, such an incredible run. So props to everybody who bought it here. I thought when it went from 30 to 100, it was overdone. Now it's 221. So these things can just stay overdone. They're, they sell stuff online. People are hungry for anything, a 1999 style, anything that you know, is, is selling online. Shorter term, I do. I would be keeping an eye on that 218 level. Uh, you had uh, your high on Monday, 218. Then you had an 1878, excuse me, 18 even low. Then an 1878 low. Then an 1807 low from yesterday. I didn't have to worry about that. Now you're six bucks away from it. But uh, keep an eye on that. Uh, three lows within you know, 70, 80 cents on a big stock like that uh, shows you that there was a buyer there. Use that as a, a key level. 218 Wayfair. All right. Uh, 901, I want to bring our next guest. So, uh, Dennis, I know you. you yeah, I got to go trade. And Joel, I'll be listening uh, in. Joel, do your thing. I'll stick on with you. Stick on with me. All right. Uh, our guest now, I'll bring him on, Rance Meshek. He's been in the retail uh, trading game now for a long time. He's the president and founder of IVEST Plus. Rance, good morning. Good morning. Glad to be with you. Uh, Rance, so as I mentioned, you've been involved in, in developing. Uh, trading tools, et cetera, for uh, on the retail side of the market for a very long time. For over um, two decades, yes. Yeah. Yep. So, like, what if you? I, I'm just curious about like what you've, what the past few months have been like for you because uh, we've been talking about how you know the retail trader is having more and more influence and, and mm -hmm. volatility, and and you've been you've been in on focused on that market for like I said two for decades. Quite a while. Ago. Yes. Right. So, yep. And, and we have some kind of interesting insight because in our uh, platform, in the IVAS platform, we have uh, journaling capabilities and we're, uh, I, I took a look at some of what was happening, what people were trading, the types of strategies are going out. So we could talk about some of that this morning, what we're seeing happening. Yeah. And um, uh, one of the things about our, our platforms is they, they're really designed uh, nicely around options. And so I was looking at what kind of things people are, are trading. And it is kind of interesting how things have shifted. Literally in the last month, uh, we had a lot of people going directional long calls and um, uh, really taking on, in fact, actually a lot more stock buying than normal uh, over the last few months. Now we've seen it shift again to more uh, protective strategies, uh, we're seeing some covered call stuff happening, things like that. We're also seeing a lot of spreads where you're seeing like bull call spreads uh, and bull put spreads where you've got some limited gains, uh, but you're also able to, 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 you know, block off limit those risks in the trades as well. And um, I thought I, you know, that, that shift from 
what we've seen in the last several months of a lot of, again, long calls, buying stock, uh, that we've now started to see some shifts in some more, uh, you know, hedging type moves right now in the market. And um, that, that shift is, uh, while it's, it's kind of an interesting shift happening, what also is interesting is that the volume is still very, very high. We're seeing literally uh, year over year over a 50% um, increase on, in trading volume per user on average within our system, 50%, um, which is a pretty big move. Uh, it's also kind of interesting what's, uh, I looked at some of the stop, top things being uh, traded. Yes, and tell us. I, I thought that was real interesting. You know, this, this whole work from home thing going on uh, that really seems to be, uh, or not work, well, everything from home thing, right? So from the work from home thing, there's a couple of standouts that seem to be happening. Number one, the thing we're on right now for this meeting, Zoom, you know, doing really, really well. CRM uh, doing also very well. I think, you know, working with this remote uh, environments and that helps to drive some of that. Uh, on the shopping side of that, so those are a couple ones that we're standing out. On the shopping side of that, you mentioned uh, just before we came on, uh, you were talking about uh, Wayfair um, and uh, we've seen a lot of activity there and I'm, I'm with you on this, man. It's like, what is this going to move? Uh, correct. But a couple other ones I thought were very interesting. Shopify has seen um, a lot of trading activity too. And that has also gone up tremendously, uh, you know, from literally uh, sitting around, you know, the, the $400 uh, dollar range in, you know, at the end of uh, March, now sitting at over $1,000. Uh, and I thought that was uh, kind of interesting uh, that there were so many people uh, jumping into that um, as well. Uh, so you got, you know, the Wayfair, the Shopify um, uh, in that area. And then the other one I thought was interesting, too, is, you know, the entertain from home. So I got the work from home, the shop from home, and then the entertain from home. And a couple that are standing out there, of course. Well, uh, by the way, also on the shop from home, I can't go without mentioning, of course, Amazon. Uh, we've seen a tremendous amount of volume in Amazon. But I will tell you, it's interesting on Amazon. It's heavily options trading. And I think it has to do with a $3,000 stock, right? People can, can right. trade it a little bit right. more. Uh, cost effectively uh, when they turn to options. So we're seeing a lot more in the options activity there. Um, but then also on the entertainment side uh, from home, uh, gaming, Akamai, uh, AKAM, uh, and uh, ATVI, uh, Activision Blizzard, both uh, seeing a bit of trading uh, activity, although Activision has uh, performed better uh, than Akamai. And then, uh, of course, on the stay-at-home thing, too, that seems to be, uh, you know, and it makes sense, I think, uh, was the Netflix part. Uh, Netflix doing really well, too, uh, on that. So uh, so that's some of the things that we're seeing traded uh, and some of the action we're seeing where we're, uh, again, seeing this, this move to a little bit more protective, a little bit more you know, it's still options trading, but still a little bit more conservative approaches right now than we were seeing, you know, a month or six weeks ago. Even. Rance, so, I have to ask you here. Have, have you read all those books behind you? What are those books about? And it's a virtual. I'm going on vacation. I'm going on vacation next week. And I always like to read a book or two. Do you have a book recommendation for Well, me? I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, the, uh, uh, <laughs> 
it's going to be kind of uh, kind of an interesting winter. But that's uh, a virtual money, background, isn't it? Yeah. It is a virtual background. You know, if we want to. Oh, you know, the old virtual. Oh, with, uh, you got me, Rance. Uh, you know, I thought you were some rocket scientist. Well, well, no, no, here for the rocket scientist stuff, we have this uh, background here where we're out on the uh, uh, the the Enterprise. You know, uh, so, you know, sometimes you just really want to get away. So we have the vacation things, you know, and then sometimes you really want to get away. And that's when you go out in space because uh, of all this the guy's high tech. So, there we go. Uh, uh, Rant, <laughs> do you feel on a more serious note? Do you feel yeah. like, like, how do you feel? Uh, how, how do I phrase this? How like irrational do you feel the retail side of the market is now compared to like 2000 or 99 or, or Oh, what? I think it's crazy. I'll be, I'll be honest. I think it's I don't understand where when you have some of this disruption that we have right now in the market. And, um, you know, you, that what, what is interesting, though, is where the money's going. Right. Because if you look at stuff like Netflix, um, which, you know, is seeing a lot more subscribers come on. Uh, we'll see if that sticks long term. You know, uh, things like you know, Amazon, where people are, you know, shifting them online. Uh, I think it's gonna be interesting when it starts to go back to norm because I don't think the retail is going to come back as quick because of such a shift in behavior to, to more, I mean, not that there wasn't already a shift in behavior to go online, but, but things that people normally wouldn't have bought online is going there, you know, are, are going there. So I think that that it's going to be an interesting thing. What's going to happen with retail long-term, but what I don't understand is why some of this is not uh, imploding a lot more than it has considering where we're at, considering the, the uh, you know the, the overall economic uh, picture in a lot of these. I mean, you know, you get companies like Hertz that files bankruptcy and you know still trades at where it was trading. You know, some of this is, just does not make sense. Um, and I I think that 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 is a, a concern, right? And we're seeing a large increase in retail activity. Maybe that's also because people were hanging out at home. But uh, but some of this I just don't understand why it's so strong. So where I'm at personally and what I see and what we're seeing with uh, traders on our platform is people are taking advantage of it, but the, oh, that's another actually interesting stat, length of time in trade. Um, us, length yeah. of time in trade is dropped by about a third um, from where it was. So we were seeing on average uh, in our platform on average about close to almost six weeks in trade. And we're seeing it now under a month in trade. So we're seeing people on shorter leashes on this. Now we have swing traders and you know, really short-term trades as well, but I just took that kind of as an average overall. Um, so I think we're seeing shorter leashes, but people, people trying to take advantage of uh, where we're at in the market right now. But I'm with you. I don't know how this is going to, you know, some of this doesn't make sense to me on, uh, on you know, the old uh, irrational exuberance that we saw back then. I don't know if I'd call it irrational exuberance, but there's definitely some, uh, some I think, irrational uh, action going on in the market. So I think it's important to, you know, I'm riding the wave, but I'm also uh, keeping real tight leashes on this and doing protection strategies and that at the same time. Maybe, uh, maybe bored exuberance. I don't know. Maybe. Right. I, that, you know what? I think that... Yeah. I, so Akamai and uh, and uh, Activision doing well. Well, you know, for people that aren't into that kind of gaming, they're doing it online. Uh, you know, they're doing some of this stuff. Uh, this is when trading. Uh, so I think we're definitely seeing increase. I mean, the increase in volume is impressive. I've, you know, to see a fifty percent year-over-year increase in retail volume uh, in what we're in our viewpoint. And I realize that's not the hallmark of it. In our viewpoint. Um, we're also seeing, by the way, I just looked at the NASDAQ numbers uh, the last 90 days. I mean, it's up uh, uh, 
uh, what, 60, 69% of, in uh, stock volume and 38% in options volume over the last, uh, looking at the last 90 days compared to a year ago. So all these stats you're giving us, I'm, I'm assuming they're coming from your platform, IVS Plus. Uh, tell us. Except for the last one, a little bit was the NASDAQ. But yeah, but most of this is coming right. from, from the platform. Yeah. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, I think one of a couple things about this that's, that's unique. First of all, I heard you guys talking about news just a couple moments before uh, coming on and uh, about Benzinga Pro. One of the things that we've been able to do is we've been able to take Benzinga Pro news and bring it into the, the market gear platform. iVest is a company. Market gear is the retail product. Um, and uh, the marketgear.com is, is the site. But we've brought in the Benzinga news. And I got to tell you that when we first started evaluating the news to bring it in, because we had other news sources in, um, we, the developers and I, we spent the first few you know, like a few days of evaluating we kept going back and ended up trading because the the stuff was so actionable and so uh 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 you know current relevant information you know and i i heard the conversation about what's going on on twitter twitter's a great source but you have to sort through so much noise one of the things i love is squawk that you guys have and we have squawk in our platform too uh, in fact right now we're, we're the exclusive squawk on the go where we have squawk available in our mobile apps as well and you know squawk is like gps you know it only talks when you need to take action but what's said in there is so uh so strong and so the combination of having the news and that in the platform, along with the extensive capabilities around uh, the extensive research we have, and then the options trading, and it's integrated trading right within the platform. So you can trade with uh, any number of brokers. Uh, you know, we're not a brokerage firm, but we hook up to them for trading purposes and all that. So uh, it's a, a very powerful platform for uh uh, for your research and that. But the other one I just have to mention here is the journaling, because that's where a lot of this information came from on the stats. Very comprehensive journaling capabilities. And what we find is one of the most powerful parts of the platform is by monitoring what you're doing and what your results are and looking at how you can improve on those results. And the, the analytics you get out of journaling is really uh, phenomenal for helping people do that so uh, for our listeners who've been around for a while may remember uh trade architect from td ameritrade yes uh, rance worked on that just to give you an idea of just sort of how long he he's been actually been... it was my baby we launched that oh, yeah i was in charge okay. of that yeah that was right. it yep yep um and uh i also was in charge of the integration of thinkorswim to uh td ameritrade i was in charge of oh. the yeah, the 140 technical projects that were involved in that integration. That was fun. Uh, but yeah, I've been around the game for a while. And one of the things that I did when we broke off of that uh, and did our own thing here was I wanted to bring some things in that you didn't see at brokerage firms and uh, things like how can you monitor your trading more effectively and improve on it and those type of things. So those are some of the tools we put in making options trading simpler with uh, the way we do option strategy templates and all that. Uh, so we got to do some things that we couldn't do when we were at uh, Ameritrade and that to bring some some really cool uh, tools. To, for, All right, I'm going to ask you uh, one more, and if it, it's a two-parter here. Uh, yep. If you could just give us uh, one one stock you like right now and also one uh, one tool that you think traders maybe don't use enough or, or, or is perhaps undervalued uh, just as, as like a trading or a research tool. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, one of them that I think is, uh, you know, they went through a little bump in the road with some security issues, but uh, Zoom 
is, you know, doing really well. And I think that one of the big things that's happening with this company, uh, and you know what, there's a lot of, there's quite a few of them out there, but for some reason, man, these guys have got the, the buzz, whether it's the brand, whatever, they, they definitely get in the action on it. And, uh, you know, this, this is a stock that's been up, uh, you know, tremendously this year. So that uh, 266.32 right now, where, uh, you know, back at the beginning of the year, it was around 80. And they went through a bump when that downturn, when, when, uh, the, when COVID hit, but not much compared to a lot of others and, and basically doubled, almost doubled since then. So uh, that's one that I really like on that front. And then on the tool front, I, I'll tell you that I think that, you know, I go back to journal. If, you know, in, a mentor of mine said to me, uh, a business mentor of mine said, said to me, what gets measured is what gets managed and what gets managed is what gets results. And if you don't measure it, how do you know what's even wrong? And in a key, in a business, you got to look at your key metrics in trading. It's what your results are. And, you know, and how are you finding your stocks? Uh, what, what type of strategies you're doing? What are your exit strategies? And when in a journal where you can tag all these different things on how, you know, where your ideas came from or uh, what strategies you were doing and all that, then you get these analytics about what's working and what's not. Um, and then it gives you the information you need to be able to improve. And so I think that in trading, journaling uh, is frequently overlooked because it's a pain to do. One of the things about our platform is it's just, it's automatic. Uh, you can add different tags and different categories in that, but uh, a lot of what it does, identifying the strategy, all that, it does automatically. Um, but so it gives you the, the information you need to see what's working for you and what's not. I think that's probably one of the, the most overlooked tools out there is really effectively monitoring your results and doing more of what's working and stop doing what's not and then work on improving it. All right, we've been on with Rance Meshack. He's the president and founder of iVest Plus. You can learn more by going to iVest Plus, like the word plus, dot com, or also you can check out marketgear.com. Rance, uh, again, some great feedback from the chat. Uh, so Thanks. based on that, we'd love to have you back. But in the meantime, right. stay safe out there. And uh, you good too. Luck. Good luck with that trading. Thank you very much. Appreciate being here. All right. Uh, that'll be a wrap for us, Joel. Do you have any final thoughts or should we just head out with our day? Uh, I'm just I'm just looking at the uh, S&Ps. We did get up to that 317075. Uh backed off 3167. I mean, you know, if you're if you're trying to uh hold a short in this market, then really uh you know, above the above those pair of highs at 3174 and a half, you have to uh throw in the towel. That's your that's your resistance for now. Uh support, I mean, we traded through the close quite a few times here. Uh, Pre-market low watch is a good level too, 31.52 and a quarter. All right. For all the tickers we didn't get to in the chats, I've written them down. We'll, we'll cover them at the 340 show. In the meantime, thanks to our guests today, both of them, Rance Mayshek and Mark Chaikin. And want to also put a new uh, URL on y'all's radar, uh, benzinga.com slash pre-market dash prep. It, it, we, we sort of relaunched our our pre-market site or where the show lives on Benzinga. So I'll put the link in the chat there, but if you can check it out, give us some feedback. We would very much appreciate it. That's Benzinga.com slash pre-market dash prep. There's the URL in the chats. Um, please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. Uh, quick question from the chat. I'm seeing the afternoon show is in the same location as this. So it's on our YouTube channel or on the very same page I'm now putting in the chats. Uh, so also youtube.com slash Um 
that's all I got, I think. So hit that like button. It helps us out with the algorithm. We appreciate that. And uh, like I said, Joel and I will be back at 3.40 to answer more of your questions. In the meantime, everyone, have a great rest of your Thursday and stay safe and good luck. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.